Hey there, how's everyone doing? Welcome to another episode of Out the Gate Sailing. Last month, my wife Lauren and I went on an offshore sailing adventure with Andy Shell and Mia Carlson aboard their 59-foot swan ice bear. Andy and Mia started their business called 59 North, both to pursue their own passion of offshore sailing, but also to share it with others. They started with one boat about four years ago, their 48-foot swan, Isbjorn, and recently added Ice Bear to their fleet. Together, they cover at least 10,000 sea miles every year, mostly today, mostly around the Atlantic and Caribbean. Lauren and I sailed from Annapolis, Maryland to Lunenburg, Nova Scotia with them, a trip of five days and 805 miles. We were two of the six crew aboard the boat, which means we participated in every aspect of the trip, from steering, changing the sails, to cooking and cleaning. And we had a fantastic passage with a little bit of everything. We had squall with gusts to around 40 knots and good-sized waves, and then fog with no wind and glassy seas, and then a pleasant breeze kicked up and took us into lovely Lunenburg. It was Lauren's first ocean passage, and she actually talked about the experience last week on Andy's podcast, On the Wind, which you can find on Andy and Mia's website, 59-north.com. That's 59-north.com, where you can find it anywhere else you get your podcasts. Actually, Andy's On the Wind podcast was one of my main inspirations in starting this podcast. So it was really wonderful to sit down with him and Mia in the Salon of Ice Bear and record two conversations, one in which Andy interviewed me and Lauren and one in which I interviewed Andy and Mia. That's what you'll be hearing today. Joining us in the conversation are two other members of the crew from our passage, Ruslan Osmanov and Mark Dragan. And I have to give a shout out not only to Mark and Ruslan, but the other crew members, Dick Sherlock and Ken Glidden. Lauren and I really enjoyed getting to know everyone on the boat, and we all had a great time. So without further ado, here's the conversation with Mia and Andy from 59 North. I want to start the podcast by asking Andy and Mia a question that they, Andy, you often put to your guests. How do you tell people what you do? You want to start? You start. I always talk. Um, it depends, I think, who you're talking to. If it's just a stranger like at a party or if it's someone who actually is interested. But I think I usually say that we have our own business and we take people sailing. And then sometimes people have follow-up questions, and then it's very interesting to tell them about it, and sometimes they say, hmm, okay, interesting, and let it go. So that's kind of how I started. Yeah, I haven't thought about that in a, in a while. Um, I don't generally don't like talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> I hate, there's nothing I, don't, I dislike more than being at a, I'll just, for lack of a better word, and everybody's got, I feel ashamed even saying this, but everybody's got their own story and they all have interesting stories. But the people that don't understand what we do, I, I just can't 
what am I going to say? And I'm, I'm an introverted person in general, so I'll never be able to explain what we do. So I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I haven't had to answer that question in a while. I don't know what I would say. So I assume most of the people listening to this podcast know sailing on some level. What would you say to those who do understand? Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a good way to frame it. I would say that we take people off, sh- we, we take people ocean sailing. Yeah. Specifically. It, it, w- I mean, I, I guess it's right on the front page of our website. Our tagline is sharing the wisdom of the high seas with those wise enough to seek it out. And we do it through the podcast, through my articles, and through the actual ocean passages. So that's, you know, I guess in that sense, I'm a teacher, but I don't think of it that way. And some of this, we're doing this, recording this podcast on the tale of, of you interviewing me for your podcast. And I have to say, your podcast was a great inspiration for the Out the Gate Sailing podcast. So some of this might be repeated. But why do you do what you do? It's the only thing I could do. It's, I've always, I mentioned this in the last, when I interviewed you, that I'm, I'm inherently a lazy person, which I think Mia can vouch for. Um, So I have a hard time working hard for something that I don't believe in. And this is what I currently have the most passion for. Used to be golf. I found that I actually I didn't have enough passion for golf to put in the work required to be at the level I wanted to be. Um, and so far, I've, it scares me as, as well because what we do is extremely hard work. And it scares me the day that I might run out of passion for it because I know I won't be able to do it. It's too hard to do it unless I'm 110% committed to it. So that makes me nervous in the long term. I have a hard time looking deep into the future because it's so much work that the minute I become disenchanted with it, it's it's all over. And that equation has changed some recently because you both or you have a second boat now and you're about to become owners of this second boat. Has that changed? The 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 passion slash work balance? Well, I think for us, it it allows, we, we were debating it a long time and we were thinking and should we keep it small? There's the two of us in the boat because it makes it much easier and it's just a small boat and one, one boat and we can do everything ourselves. But then also we like to do so many other things and by being able to do other things, we have to make it a little bit bigger than just the two of us because we can never just, uh, we're trying to create a network now of people so we can be able to do a little bit of other things, but also be on the boat. And uh, me and Andy and I, we've, we, since we met, we've been working together. And it's just the two of us. So we work together, we exercise together, we live together, you know. And it's nice to be able to bring in some friends into the pool of, uh, and work with. So it's trying to create something that is a little bit bigger than just you and me. So we have some other people to talk to. <laughs> yeah, I have to... I have to admit that the the real motivation to getting this boat was just seriously the classic bigger boat syndrome. Like I saw that this was there and I was like, God, that would be cool. I have a way that I can actually afford it through the business. And, you know, I've had a really hard time as we get new people involved, justifying what we're trying to do without making it about making more money. It's ne- it's ne- it never was about making money. It's never, it never is going to be about that. Cause again, it's too much work. There's a lot easier ways to make money. 
um, this is truly a lifestyle thing. And, and it, it contradicts, having two boats contradicts the original business plan. The original plan when I sat down to do this was how can we get paid to do what we love and not work all the time? And, it, and I, I've talked about this before. It's the, the, the classic, what is it, the parable of the fisherman or whatever, where, you know, the guy's on the beach and he's fishing and feeding his family and the businessman comes down and says, well, why don't you start a business? And he said, well, then what? Well, then you can buy, you can use your money to buy a fleet of boats and captains. He said, well, then what? <laughs> and here we are. Well, then you, well yeah. It's, so it's really, it's, yeah. And then, and then ultimately he's like, well, and, and then what? Well, then you could fr- fish in your free time. And the guy's like, well, obviously he's already doing that. So... I've really struggled with the motivations behind why am I actually doing this? Um, and I think everything you said is is applicable, but it's really just justification for the fact that I genuinely want to create a network of people. I want to provide, like Liz works for us. She's the mate on the other boat. If there was a job like what she's doing for us when I was her age, I would have killed to do that. And that's really valuable to me. And it's hard, you know, I'm trying to get some friends involved on the business side of things and I've had a hard time explaining to them that while I care about making a living, I'm not doing this to make money. But then again, ironically, that attitude is actually what makes it successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the key. But it's I can't I have a hard time putting that into words. Like just I've been telling them, just trust me. Like look at my track record. We've we've been able to build something around our passions that has been successful. We're lucky that it's successful. It's hard work, but I wouldn't do anything. I'm not doing anything differently thinking about the bottom line. You can't, I, I can't work that way. You talk a lot about <clears throat> the difference between people who act on their dreams and people who don't. You guys, the two of you started sailing together before the business happened. What was that moment for you? What allowed you to act on? You have such a clarity of vision. And you say, oh, me as the practical one. But you have such a clarity of vision of what you want to accomplish. When did that, how, how and when did that come to you? I guess this one is for me because you've sort of been dragged along with this, whether you like <laughs> it or not. I've been lucky enough to, to have you to that has been enthusiastic about it. But um, I think... The, oh man, this, I don't know when the moment was. I just I just knew from the time I was a kid that I would have a boat and take people sailing. On some level, growing up, I loved sailing on the bay with my parents. I loved that. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, my dad would start letting me bring the boat into the dock, and I was just I really liked that. And I just thought I'm this is something I'll do one day. And I guess I to make a really long story even longer. Um, my grandfather, I, I tell this story a lot as well. My grandfather, he's the, he's the real entrepreneur in the family. He's the visionary. And he started a business because he, his, his passion was horses, horse racing. And he used to go to the track when he was 18 and take photos for horse magazines. And he worked as a groom and, and he saw this and he thought, well, I could, I could work for other people and be around horses, but that's not enough. I want to, I want to own and drive and train my own horses. So he went to the war like everybody else of his generation, came back, started a restaurant with his dad the year my dad was born. And not because he was passionate about the restaurant business, but he saw an opportunity. If he, if he could make it as an entrepreneur, then he could go off and start his horse thing yeah. as a way to do that. So so that that worked. He started this ice cream hot dog stand and, and got managers to run it and uh, went off and got 
very successful in um, standard bred horse racing where they have the little sulky that pulls behind. And he was an owner, driver, trainer. He has a, we, I grew up on a horse farm. He had a training track right at the farm. He had a stable down in Florida. And, uh, in, you know, in the, in the heyday of harness horse racing in the seventies, he was, they, he was successful. I don't think horse racing ever makes anybody money, but he was able to pay for itself with the winnings he got from his horses. Cool side story. Four of his most successful horses back then were all named after my mom, my dad, my uncle, and his wife. It was, uh, and my mom and dad being the sailors, it was pirate Gale was my mom. Um, uh, captain Dennis after my dad. And then uh, Scott and Laura was Spectacular Scott, and then Lightning Laura. And Lightning Laura was his all-time most successful horse. That's cool. And he's 89 now and still has, still owns some racehorses with friends. Wow. And, uh, and, and just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not horse racing in that sense has declined since the heyday then. But So I think that's where I get it from. I forget what your question was. What was the moment? I guess for me it was just I had to, I had to find something that I could be passionate about as a motivation otherwise like i i've worked different places and i just i hate i'm the classic unemployable i hate working i hate working but if it's something i'm passionate about i'll i'll do what needs to be done it's it's such a uh i'm struggling here because i have this image in my mind of andy at three in the morning hunched over a backed up toilet as the boat is pitching through waves (laughs) You know, literally the shittiest job you can think of. You're scooping working the poop, your man. Scooping, scooping the, poop, the poop, working your ass off. But it's bec- and you come out. This is what really amazed me. Not that you're doing this because you had to do it. Yeah, right. But you come out and you're like, ah, well, you know, yeah, it's just part of the job. Don't laugh. You know, it's gonna drive you mad. And it's, your your attitude was incredible. It's an act, Ben. <laughs> okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> no, you're good at it. I know, but you don't see me in the. Yeah, I'm really good at scooping the poop. <laughs> Thanks, Mia. You don't see me. You you don't see the in between the trips. I am I am a Mia Mia. I mean, you are the real hero here because you take the brunt. It's a roller coaster, um, and you take the brunt of it between trips when there's no crew around because you have to have an outlet for the. You have, you know, some somewhere inside me is anger and and disenchantment for having to scoop poop at three in the morning. Yeah, five minutes after I went to bed, um, and that comes out between the trips. Yeah, and me and I have a very healthy relationship that we can really unload on each other and realize that we're venting and not take it personally, and it bounces off, and and that's how we work. But that's what you don't see, and that's what I don't. Yeah, I talk about it, but I don't. You know, I I can't I can't act that way in front of you guys. Um, yeah. and that's just, you just can't do that. But it yeah. also is part of the job. Like, it it's, it's no job. one else is going to hey, do how it. how bad so can it be? We're on our way. I mean, seriously, how bad, how bad is it? We're on our way to Nova Scotia on my 59-foot boat while my other 48-foot boat is on the way to Newport right behind us. You got to keep it in perspective, man. I mean, yeah. there's always something. It's really and it's always the goddamn toilet. Yeah. I've got a lot. I've got, I mean, that, okay, so here's, that I guess, good story. here's, here's <laughs> I guess, the reason I was actually happy in that moment is because, A, it did fix itself in the end. Uh, I just had to scoop all the poop out, and then it <laughs> fixed itself. And then uh, the, sto- the the last two months, we've had so many horror stories. I mean, in Dominican Republic, I was sprayed in the face with pressurized sewage. 
on anchor in the Dominican Republic. Oh. I had to rip my con- it went in my eyes. I had to rip my contact lenses out and dive overboard and swim around underwater with my eyes open to rinse it out. So when you go through that, what we did, what you saw happening offshore was nothing. I was I was thrilled that it fixed itself without having to take it apart. So that's the, I guess the real answer. That's good. I want to get back to the partnership because you've alluded to it a little bit. And, and Andy, you said, oh, Mia, you know, you, you were dragged along. But you, too, uh, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like a true partnership yeah. in the way that you guys run this boat. And I want to know what you each feel in the other person makes that work. What qualities? I mean, I think it's a very, you and me are like the opposites when it comes to, to being the, the mind we have because you are truly like the big picture. You're always having dreams and visions and I'm always like bringing you straight down to reality, putting you on the earth and kind of almost digging you down or bury, I guess it's called it English. <laughs> bury you down. And then we kind of both end up on earth. Like I'm always, I'm almost a little too realistic and practical sometimes and I think those are the combination that without you nothing would happen and without me all the dreams would just run off the cliff basically so yeah that, in the big picture that's yeah. that's the combination but at the same time I think you you have the hardest part of it because you know by now if I get an idea in my head you, there's no stopping it you're not gonna it doesn't matter how realistic you try to be it's you're not gonna stop it my the, the outboard story on Arcturus is probably the best where I had well, to learn the hard that, way. Yeah. No, I, we yeah, we don't have to rehash that. But, <laughs> but yeah, that I mean, it, and I, for me, I've to my to me as credit, and to like I think I've been good about off offloading some of the practical things to you. Like I don't mess with the crew signups, all the detail stuff. You just do happily, and I do the big picture stuff. And we've managed to divide the workload based on our strengths. Yeah. And um, and that works really well. Yeah, and I think we divide it by strength and not necessarily what we enjoy the most. Right. Because some of the stuff is, I mean, it's not, some of the stuff is not super fun. Right. But I can do it very quickly and efficient. But, but, but and you instead would just drag it out and nothing would happen. So right. I think yeah. we pick the strength rather than just the passion. I mean, on a practical level, yeah. we have, a, we have a, a sort of a contact email on the website, Hold Fast at 59 North where we started getting emails to that. And then, you know, if I, I get a ton of emails from people just asking random questions and stuff like that, most of them I'll answer, but a lot of them I'll just shoot to the hold fast email. And then you go through that and categorize everything. What do I need to respond to? What have you already respond to, responded to? What can Ben respond to? We have a lot of practical systems in place that take away the decision-making and the bickering that comes to working with your partner. That's great. And then we can do things on our own time. I think too, like you and me, we've been, I never had a real job. I went to school and then we just been working for events and then we eventually got our own business. And to be fair, we've been working together now for 12 years. Yeah. So we should be pretty smooth together. We should see what the strength are. We should be smoother than we are. <laughs> True. <laughs> but I think we, so we'd have worked together for a very long time and we know exactly where the strength and what buttons to push to make the other person angry and like we know exactly and it's the, another bad. practical yeah. thing is i i do not function when i'm tired when i'm sleep deprived so a lot of times 
if I need a nap, like she'll just, you just let me nap. You used to not let me nap. You didn't like that. But now you just let me nap because you know I'm a happier person an hour after But I, I think up. finding the strength and just to go with it, kind of go with the flow rather than trying to fight them is I think what makes it pretty as smooth as we can make it now. Yeah. How about um, offshore? On Specifically the very specific on the boat. practical level, sailing-wise. We have very specific responsibilities. I'm the captain, and I'll oftentimes make decisions that don't that she doesn't like, but to your credit, you just accept that I'm the one in charge. And sometimes you'll not second-guess, but give me additional information that will help me make a better decision because I don't believe in the Captain Bly way of running things. Like the whole, Even the crew that are all on board with you guys, um, you have to take input from, and I say this in the briefing, you know, I expect you guys, if I tell you to do something, Mark, and you're not safe or you feel uncomfortable, you got to tell me back and we'll do something different about it. Um, so, but in that sense, you know, ultimately it's my decision on how the boat is sailed and the weather routing and those decisions. And you're in charge of the galley and, and that kind of stuff. And I have to stay out of it as much as I wish I would. I, I want to be involved in everything. I can't help myself. I, it's not my fault. I can't. I have an opinion about everything. <laughs> and Mia has to remind me that you don't need to have an opinion on this. And it's, oh, yeah, okay, I don't. I don't, I don't really care because I really don't care. But like, and a lot of times you'll say something and I'll be like, I'll say something back. And you said, I'm not asking for an opinion. This is how it is. This is how it is. <laughs> oh, I'll yeah, try yeah, yeah. To, I think I have like a problem solving brain. I'll try to come up with a solution when she's not asking for a solution. But that's on the boat. I'm the skipper. She's the, she's in charge of the galley. Um, and fundamentally that's how we divide things. Yeah. But you're not the cook. Like there's a, there's a distinction. We're, we're, you know, I think we're closer to co-skippers than anything else because we do divide the responsibilities. And just having been on the boat for the past week sailing with you guys, me as an extraordinarily competent sailor mm. as well. Well, that's when she's up, I know I can sleep. Yeah. That's the, be that's the beauty of it. We, in, that, in that sense, we are co-skippers because I know that she's not going to wake me up because her and the crew can handle whatever needs to handle and you make very good decisions. You make better decisions than me when it comes to what sail plan to have up and that kind of stuff. So that, in that sense, you are, we're co-skippers. You just don't like being in charge. Yeah. I'm the kind of person you said before that Andy's very good at letting other people do stuff. I'm the kind of person who rather do things myself than mm -hmm. have other people do it. And therefore, you are the better teacher and skipper on the boat. Yeah. So to let other people do it. And this is also why... When we have a working autopilot, we have Mia do a single-handed watch because she'd rather do it herself. So with the autopilot on, she can. She'll reef the reef the sails by herself, do all that stuff by herself. I can get a full four hours sleep. Mm -hmm. You don't have to talk to anybody. You can just <laughs> sail the boat, and uh, and that works really well. And it gives us some alone time at sea. This is really interesting because we were talking yesterday about the kind of people we all are and introverts versus extroverts. And Mia just said you'd rather just do it yourself. Andy, you're happy. You like teaching, but you, Andy, are the person who needs your alone time, mm. and Mia, you're the person who Love to loves chat to chat with people. people. Yeah. yeah, you're out here chatting, and he's like, I need just need to close the door and go <laughs> have my time. And you, you yeah, so, uh, is that a is there know. a dichotomy there? Is there, there I need a purpose. I love being around people if I'm in charge. I if there's a party, if I'm the host and I'm the grill master and I'm mixing drinks, whatever, I love that. Because everybody's looking to me as the leader of the gang. I can thrive in that. If I'm a guest at a party, I'm completely out of my element. 
And I I'm hate the opposite. it. I hate it. Yeah. I hate being. A, <laughs> I hate being a guest at a place, a big group of strangers, where I have to go around and make small talk. If everyone's looking to me, like when I was in college, I founded the Penn State Ski Club. I was the leader. Every time we had parties, I was the man. I was always the one in charge. And it's an ego thing, probably, <laughs> um, on some level. I love, I love being in charge, and I, I can't. I, there has to be a pers- a, a purpose behind it. It's back to our po- journalism thing. I would have a hard time sitting down having a conversation with someone unless it was a very specific interviewer interviewee dynamic. Mm-hmm. I just hate small talk. Yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah. That's really and it takes energy. I, I it takes energy being around people. Like no offense, but I can't wait till you guys all leave tomorrow and <laughs> I'll be able to go through those movies that Daniel gave us and sit on my ass for the next three days and not, not talk have to anybody anyone, and not talk to Mia and yeah, not talk to Yeah, that's the hardest because when crew leaves, I just want to chit chat with him and he just wants to be to I be just, quiet. Yeah, just go away and leave me alone. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> it's like, do you want to go for a <laughs> run? He's like, no, I want to go by myself. It's like, what do you mean you want to go by yourself? Don't you want to spend time with me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anybody else to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the single hardest yeah. thing about, for me, that is the hardest thing about the about this lifestyle is I we haven't been... I. We haven't had a lot of time to two of us, but even more importantly for me, I have had zero time for myself. Do you dream about going cruising off, just the two of you? No, because we need a purpose. <laughs> I, I think I think what we dream about doing together is going on a bike camping trip. Okay. We want to yeah. we yeah. want to go cycling the, the length of Sweden and pack a tent and do that something different. Yeah, um, we have, we just bought a van with friends at home, so. That's going to be our downtime. Awesome. I like having a purpose with the sailing. Okay, so this podcast is ostensibly about sailing in San Francisco. <laughs> um, you have plans in the future, no hard plans, to be in, take one of your two boats to the Pacific at least. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little about that. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Well, the dream always been to... We met in New Zealand. And we haven't been back since we were there. Uh, so the dream always been to sail to New Zealand. And the next time we go back the to, next to time sail we go there. to New Zealand we would love to sail into the harbor there together so and that's kind of is feeding the uh, Pacific dream of going into the Pacific and we were almost om- we had the whole calendar set for doing a 2020 Pacific right mm-hmm. but we decided we weren't ready because doing another year in the Atlantic we can always then go back to the Pacific but if you go to the Pacific we want to spend a couple of years there and we weren't ready to commit to be so far away from home uh sweden and us um by going into the pacific and spending years there so i think we we felt we weren't we weren't ready yet we weren't something a few we need a few more years in the atlantic and kind of settle in before we wanted to get there but it's definitely going to happen I'm yeah not sure when. in addition to the new zealand thing um hal roth who i think lived in san francisco to bring this around for a little while anyway lived in the pacific side mm-hmm. And uh, he he um, wrote a book called Two on a Big Ocean about him and Margaret going in their Spencer 35. That's right. I have it on, on the, the shelf. shelf. Yeah. yeah. Um, and doing a loop of the outer Pacific basin. So like South Pacific um, all the way across the top of Australia and Tonga. And I don't even I, I'm, my Pacific geography is terrible. But on to Japan and then up the coast of Japan and up into the Aleutian Islands in Alaska down to um Pacific Northwest, BC, Seattle, and then back to San Francisco. So I've always wanted to duplicate that route. That that w- interests me much more than the classic trade wind circumnavigation. Because pretty much when you get to 
when you get to the South Pacific, like Fiji, you can go down to New Zealand and, you know, that's where most people go to spend their cyclone season down there. Um, but then you really have a decision to make. Do you come back via Alaska and stay in the Pacific, but get back to the U.S. that way? Or do you continue around the world? And then, of course, now that we have the bigger boat, you know, back to my Moitessier inspirational roots, he, his, one of his first books was called Cape Horn, The Logical Route. And it was titled that because that was the quickest way back to Europe was around Cape Horn. So having done Spitsbergen now last year, that's, uh, to my own detriment, I am a very goal-driven person. And I even said, we talked about this after Spitsbergen, it's like I felt empty in the sense that I don't know what's next. I've spent so many years focusing on this major thing, and we did it. It's like, well, now what? And I'm trying to learn how to let that go and just enjoy the moment. And let the goals, I was talking about that too, just letting the goals come to you rather than trying to create goals just because you have to have them. Yeah. And I'm trying to learn that, but it's still out there. You know, every, Cape Horn is, that's our Mount Everest as sailors, right. but you got to do it right. So it would have to be nonstop. To, to say you've doubled the horn is nonstop from 50 south to 50 south, at least 3,000 mile passage. So it would, I would envision it leaving, you know, Auckland, going around the horn and winding up somewhere in Brazil, which is a freaking long trip. And I've already got this planned out in my head that we would do it as invite only and only to former crew members and kind of they'd still have to pay, but we would send out invitations to maybe 20 people or whatever who we would want to sail with in those conditions and see who wanted to pony up. I think we might need a f another boat to do that because I think uh, Muslan wants, yeah, Muslan is, is, is bribing me now with his moose. I should say we're sitting here with, uh, Lauren and I just sailed from Annapolis to Nova Scotia aboard this boat, I spare. We've got a couple of the crew. I, I have to say, miles. Uh, ge genuinely, not just because you guys are here, you guys will all be on that invitation list. This was a really, really good crew. This is one of our, wow. I mean, they're all good, they're always good people, but I slept a lot on this trip, and that's a testament to you guys running the boat without me worrying about hey, it. Hey, Andy, we just went around Cape Horn. <laughs> we want to just let you know we should wake you up. <laughs> you, you missed it. I know you were tired. We rounded. <laughs> so, uh, no, we're sitting here with Mark uh, and, and Ruslan, two other crew members who were wonderful to, to, to sail the boat with. No, I was going to add to, like, uh, don't worry. That, like, either me or Andy are going to, like, pop up out the hatch and say, like, everything's all right. And we'll say, like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah that's awesome um, san francisco on the uh itinerary i've never the been West to Coast? i've never been to san francisco oh. so yeah, yeah i mean for Definitely. sure uh i mean i interviewed my favorite san francisco story is i used to work with moxie marlin spike which obviously isn't his name but he's become sort of this kind of figure in both sailing and in the tech world and i had him on the podcast but he he has some epic san francisco stories him and his anarchist friends dumpster diving from whole foods in san francisco and feeding 300 people in the park from food that was deemed not good enough to sell by whole foods and and him building a houseboat in san francisco traveling dumpster diving the materials biking it down to this abandoned wharf and the coast guard towing it away from him and still he you know trying to do all this cool stuff um so yeah i've never but i've never been to san francisco well yeah there i it a lot going on in San Francisco in terms of sailing and all kinds of 
interesting characters. So it sounds like it's the weather that we like as well. Not so damn hot. Yeah. You would enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, you get a lot of cool weather sailing. That's good. With a lot like of that. wind. Yeah. So so to to bring this back, Pacific, we would go like to New Zealand, spend like at least a year down there. Um, you know, sail over to Sydney and down to Hobart and back again to New Zealand. Then work our way up to Japan, Aleutians, Alaska, wind up in San Francisco would be part of the trip, and then probably go down to Hawaii from from the West Coast, sail out mm-hmm. to Hawaii, because yep. uh, we've got a couple friends in Hawaii now, and then probably from Hawaii, either back to New Zealand or back to Alaska, or I, I don't know, but we do at least one or two circuits in the Pacific yeah. and sort of base probably this boat there. Um, for a couple of years before we committed to going one way or the other. That's nice that you have two boats, you can have one in each ocean. Yeah. Or there's more than two oceans, obviously, but the Atlantic <laughs> and Pacific. Yeah, and we, you know, we, we're we on this boat now, but the idea is if we create enough of a network of skippers and mates and stuff that we, we won't necessarily always be sailing this boat. We'll, yeah. you know, if we have them in different places, then, you know, if, if Eastbjorn goes back to Spitsbergen, well, you bet your ass I'll be on that trip. Um, so, cause we have a Norwegian skipper now and that's, you know, going to happen. So it, it opens up a lot of opportunities and it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see where it goes. Um, yeah, I did. I want to see if anybody else before we wrap this up has any questions. Lauren just raised her hand. You've got a mic. Any plans for oceans other than the Pacific or Atlantic? I don't know anything about the Indian ocean and South Africa. I mean, we just met Daniel yesterday. Um, South African from a mega yacht here yeah, that we met right. in Lunenburg. So, I mean, it's all the the beauty of what we do is it's all on the table, and we have the boats plural to go anywhere. We have the you know these are the safest ocean going boats that you can have. So it, it truly is all on the table, and we've been sort of lazy in the sense that going back and forth across the Atlantic now, it's never easy, but it's familiar. But also, I have and to remind logi- myself. Logistically, it's easy. I mean, I think I'm thinking back too. We only been, we only had Eastbjorn for four years. Yeah. It's not. We haven't done this that long, and it's only been four years. And we, been yeah. It's not, it feels like we've done a lot of loops in the Atlantic, but it's only been four years, and we have a lot of more years to come. So, even if it's not maybe in the next one two years, it, we still have a lot of years to do it. And that's what I think is really inspiring that. We can do this as long as we want. It's hard to answer these questions too at the end of what's been a very long season. You know, all I want to do now is go back <laughs> to the farm and, and just watch TV, play video games. I mean, this is, we'll have done, we've got, we've done 11 trips, no, nine trips so far this year, three more to go still. We've had the, you know, the, the what we're trying to do now building the business with two boats is way harder than it was starting it in the first place with one boat. Um, logistically, there's just so many things. I just, I just can't wait. You know, I, I, I need a break. <laughs> and the question for you, I was going to ask you about the um, your plans for the future. If you're thinking of building, um, like expanding your fleet uh, to bigger boats, and particularly uh, trips to Antarctica or trips to Svalbard or the, uh, I guess, South and North regions. I mean, everybody dreams about building building their own boat. Um, I, I don't think necessarily we would go for a bigger boat, no. though, because I feel like that losing a little bit of that connectivity to like a boat, because we have this one is fifty nine and it's it's a big boat, and if we would go to an eighty footer, it wouldn't be something that someone would sail on their own. I don't want to take more people. Put it that no. way. Six people is a really nice number. It's a good group, but um, I I don't know. I mean, 
kind of like I answered Lauren's question. It's all on the table, but I'm not interested in in making a big business out of it. That's not the motivation. It's just to for me and my friends to do fun things together and and write it off as work yeah. <laughs> and get paid to do it. I mean, it's 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 a great lifestyle. It's a lifestyle thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I I don't know where we're going to go in 5 or 10 years. And that that's what I said. I I'm scared of the day that comes that I'm just sick of this cuz then it's all over. I don't think that's going to happen, but that that's how my I know my personality well enough that there's going something else might pop up and then it'll be that thing. But I do think the key for us is that to keep evolving it because if we would I think if we would have kept only Eastbjorn and you and me would have sailed six to eight months out of the year, go back home, I think it would have been a little bit too repetitive in one way and then we may have gone sick of it. But now when we have a second boat we can pick and choose the trips. We have more people involved. This becomes more of a bigger thing than just you and me. Yeah. And I think and I that's like, going to keep us interested. Yeah. That's, and I like that side of the business yeah. as much as, not as much, but I like that <laughs> as well as ma managing the whole thing. Any plans going to Antarctica? I mean, like I said, it's all on the table. Nothing, nothing concrete. The problem is I want to do the Cape Horn thing first. So prop, what would the most logistically realistic thing to do would be do the New Zealand to Brazil thing and then base the boat down that in that area, do the Falklands, South Georgia, Antarctica while you're still in that part of the world. So I think, you know, you're right there on the doorstep. Why not do it? So probably. Mark, you want to? What do you love the most about this? Pro because, it, you know, you have everything from the paperwork and the signups to when the crew gets off the boat. What what really gets your rocks off? Like, what is the thing? I know there's a lot of things, but like if you had to verbalize it, what is the thing that you love the most or mostly? Hmm. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really like when to have crew on the boat and see everyone kind of progressing from start to finish on the trips and seeing people be out in the ocean for the first time seeing dolphins jumping off the bow and like experiencing the highs and the lows on the trips I think that's and it's kind of similar every time but it's also so different and to see kind of you Mark specifically you got pretty seasick on this trip and had a pretty big low and like you'll come around you just don't know it yet and kind of seeing that and like and then seeing when you actually do come around and I, I really like that aspect and then everything around it is it's also fun to do but I think having the crew and having the purpose of the sailing is what makes me want to do this in the future how about you I'll give you two answers the, the first one is is not what you were asking for but I love that it's only up to us the whole thing it's our mm -hmm. thing wow that's what I love the most mm -hmm. I could I the more we do this the more I'm I just don't understand how people can work for someone else I don't get it I I, I never have I've been lucky enough. To, I mean, I have, but not in any real, real job capacity. And I, that's what I love the most in the big picture. That I, whatever we want to do, we just do it. I don't have to ask anybody. Mm -hmm. um, but specifically, I think in the moment, besides the actual, I love the sailing and stuff. But I, I really, I'm the most excited. Actually, I never mind. I know the answer. It's it's yesterday. Yesterday, the day we arrive in a new place after passage. That's it. That day where it's a bonus day, you get there, you have no responsibilities, you haven't checked email yet, you're just kind of, you're, you can relax because you've made it there safely. 
Um, Who yes, wants to that, describe that the- day? Is the is that is the reason we do all this? Every time I go through this cycle, the first three days, the first few days of the trip, I'm questioning my lifestyle choices and I'm wondering why why do I put myself through this? It's so hard. It's so much work. It's 24 seven. It's a way I could be doing other things. And then days like yesterday, it's all worth it. That yesterday is why I do this. I would love for one of you, somebody to describe that yesterday morning. Just Mark, do you want to? I, I, can, I can try. Uh, we were on watch. It was the 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. shift, uh, Ruslan and I. And we were going 30 minutes on, 30 minutes off. And we, I think we had rotated back and forth. Andy went to sleep. We were looking at the Navionics on the iPad. And I, you know, depth perception at night is really hard and trying to figure out the buoys and the the lights to make sure we were getting into the right place. And we were, you know, Ruslan and I were talking which way we're going and we weren't sure. And, you know, because we had never been into this place at night. You guys said you had. So we were very comfortable, but we wanted to stay farther offshore. Ruslan turned in a bit and we, we figured out the lights and... Um, it was just, you know, t- completely unknown. Uh, and then cutting forward, Andy gets out of bed. He looks up. It's time. It's almost like giving birth almost. <laughs> you, you went down below. You, you woke everyone up. Everyone gets their clothes on. Uh, everybody, you just went to bed. Like everybody gets on deck. Everybody gets their position. Ruslan was at the wheel and handled it. Andy, to your credit, as we talked about, you didn't take over. You yeah. just, you let him, uh, you let him drive, which was at night, you know, and dark, very impressive. Uh, we were looking at uh, the, again, the charts and then figuring it out. We we're trying to pick up the lights. Everyone had their position. Some people at the bow, some people at the stern, some people, you know, all over. And, and just to go through that experience for me personally, which was completely out of my element, unknown, like, you know, 180 degrees from what I normally do when I wake up in the morning. Uh, <laughs> but I really want it and think about it all the time, which is very weird. Uh, and and to come in and we did a lap of the harbor and everything takes longer than you think because you're only going five miles an hour. Like, you know, in a car at, at 80 miles an hour, you get up through and you're, you're there. But everything takes like, 50, you know, an hour longer than you think. Uh, and then we all, you know, we had this shared sense of accomplishment you dropped the anchor. You didn't really care that much. You didn't check your scope. Like you were like, fine. I'm like, well, seven to one. Like you just did it. It was fine. And I was like, okay, I trust you. Let's. Yeah, but that's. I did check it. You just didn't see. You're I, not no, seeing me. I think checking that's my it. point. Like, yeah, you yeah, had yeah. your own process. Right. That like in my own anxiety, like yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, we had this shared sense of of like we did it. You know, I did get pretty seasick, and to feel great for the last couple of days was really, really important for me. So I keep sailing because I almost. You know, I was having that question. Everybody goes through that. That's why I, I wasn't. We didn't make a big deal about it. So I know. Get over it. I know. Did. I know. But it was tough. Um, and and then the sun comes up, and and you took out the drone for the fourth or fifth time, which was awesome. And we jumped in the water. Ben, you led, and I was like, well, yeah, you can't jump in the water alone. Uh, and it was just really fast. It was it was everything. You know, all these emotions, then decompress because I it was a it was a roller coaster. Yeah. So. That's that yesterday. That's why you do it. That's why. That's why we do this. It's not just the landfall because the landfall wouldn't be the same if you wouldn't have gone through the trip either. You can't just do landfall every thirty minutes because then it wouldn't (laughs) be special. (laughs) And yeah. I want to wrap this up by asking what I ask most guests: What haven't we talked about that either one of you want to mention? 
about the business, about this past trip. I just love, I love that you guys speak of, with reverence of me not doing anything or me thinking in the back of my head, man, I'm really good at being lazy. Look at what I've gotten all these people to do for me. This is awesome. <laughs> That's what we want. We like yeah. want. To. I know. It, That's why we're here. It's just, it's just, it's just a joke. I it's imagine, funny. I it's on purpose. It's I, just great. It's like no, this is awesome. I, I got these to... guys wrapped around my finger. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say it again because I said it in the podcast where your podcast. That was the most impressive thing to me, as a sailor, as a person who has sailed my own boat. And uh, uh, Mia talked about this, wanting to do it yourself. That's my mentality. And watching. To me, all I can describe it is as strength because you are down here being like, shit, they're not doing it the way I would do it. But you let it happen and you let the person learn from that. That's, that, that blew my mind. It, it literally gave, it blew my mind. Well, thanks. Yeah. But it also, it also like sort of gives the confidence, you know, like uh, whenever like we all were confident that like, you know the boat. You know how it sells. And then if you're not there, that means you're, you can't sleep, which means we're not screwing it up. <laughs> but and, and on the other hand, it's like we get the confidence on sort of like sailing, right? And it's just, it's mind-blowing uh, to me. I have to admit a couple, th there are occasions where I'm laying, both of us are laying down in bed and I'll from the bunk I'll feel that the jib's not trimmed properly or something's not right and I'll send her up as the messenger because I'm all pissed off and like god damn it can those guys fucking trim the jib and I tell Mia to, can you go up and tell them to do something and then she'll pack pop up all cheery and happy hey guys maybe we should but trim it's the really jib cool too to lay in bed <laughs> and hear something's not yeah. right yeah. and lay there another minute and wait and see if anything is happening and then you hear the wind starts grinding or this if people start easing it's like oh yeah Okay, they know it. Yeah. They know it. And it then you cool. lay there and just wait. It's funny. And then everything's happening. Like, Am I allowed to trim the main? <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to trim the main if you're not up here? Like, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. You're like trim the main. I was like, yeah, we should trim the main. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it is great. It is really cool to see. And I think that's the beauty of sailing with people and crew is that we, we wouldn't, wouldn't be the same thing if we just be with and the two of us. And that's, you know, that, that's the, like, the other side of this is you can't be a good leader unless you have good followers. And the worst followers are the ones that think they know it all and do things without, you know, I told you guys before, like, I will only be able to sleep if you wake me up if you have any doubt. And the worst crew members are the ones that think they know everything, do something without asking, and they do it wrong. And that's when you get in trouble. And that's when the, that's when the skipper can never sleep. Um, we have, Very lucky, not we've had hardly, we've had less than I can count on one hand crew members who are like that. And and you have to, that's when the job becomes harder because you have to manage that more closely. And that's where you got to decide on how you do the watch pairings and stuff. And, you know, make sure that you don't put a person like that with a, with another person who is more submissive because then, you, you know, you have to have people that I always say, if there's a debate between the two crew members, then I'm the judge, wake me up and I'll solve the debate. You guys don't solve the debate together, but that's part of managing, you know, to the people that are out there sailing other people's boats, being a good follower makes it easier for the person in charge to be a good leader. Yeah. So, any last thoughts, Mia? No, I think it's good. I think we covered a lot. I think to I'll wrap it up in my philosophical way. Like it, it's just, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Like you have to do things with passion, or what's the point? You figure that out, and like 
figure out what it is and have the courage to pursue that and just see where it goes. I, I, I just don't know any other way to live. It's a great note to end on. Thank you very much, both of you. Thanks Everybody for, for participating. Us. This is great. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, Andy interviewed Lauren and me for his podcast, On the Wind. So if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to check that one out. It was episode 270 of On the Wind, and Andy posted it July 17th of this year, 2019. So visit 59-north.com to find that and a whole lot more content blog posts, reading lists, events, and Andy's other podcast called How I Think About Sailing. You can also find their info on route schedules for both boats and availability of bunks if you're interested in joining one of their trips. And for anyone looking to get offshore experience, I'd highly recommend a trip with 59 North. Either with Andy and Mia on Ice Bear or aboard their 48-foot Swan Isbjorn with one of the other really fantastic skippers with whom they work. Actually, I just had a really good conversation with Ben Dur, who's sailed as mate on Isbjorn and will soon be skippering that boat. And he has his own charter business just up the West Coast here in Bainbridge, Washington. That interview will air soon. We've got that coming up and some other great content. So make sure you stick around. I'm Ben Shaw host and producer of Out the Gate Sailing. Until next time, smooth sailing. <laughs>